With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, our first what if of the offseason looks at running it back, plus a peek at the first mock drafts following the lottery. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here, closing out the week. Mock season, as you heard, postseason, offseason on the way. Unfortunately for me, though, it's allergy season, and I am in a world of hurt right now. Just We're just taking this one day by day right now. Um, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. I don't know if you were like old enough to remember, but do you, do you, uh, are you familiar with Bob McCown at all? The name sounds familiar, but I was gonna say you look just like Ray Charles right now with the, with the sunglasses yeah. on. Yeah, it's, it's almost, it's basically 10 p.m. And yeah, it's, it is pitch black outside and I've, yeah. <laughs> protects my eyes it's so bad <laughs> i don't know if it's like a placebo thing or something like that but it helps you know at least one percent so i'll take i'll take any percent i can right now as i battle through the first couple of weeks but bob mccown was a legendary uh is a legendary uh sports personality i guess radio personality he was on toronto radio forever and he you know, allergy season and 350 of the other days of the year would just rock the sunglasses indoors. He's just, <laughs> yeah, he's he was a beauty. He was a beauty. Um, unfortunately, a casualty of radio, as I'm uh, all too familiar with. But um, they can't cancel the podcast, so suck that <laughs> on. Uh, right, let's, uh, let, first off, how, how are we doing today, Tyson? Uh, it's all right. The Sixers suck, so, yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Unfortunate. <laughs> game seven, great. Um, game six did not follow the game five performance that uh, had them on the brink of the conference finals there. But we will uh, see what happens there. But we're not here to talk basketball. We're here to talk some Winnipeg Jets as we head ever so closer to the actual fun part of the off season. Only about a month to go before things really start ramping up here. Uh, But before we get into some things that are actually going to happen, this will be the first part of a, I guess, a multi-part series. 
which I did last year in the off season to kill some time, kill some shows. So we're going to do it in a similar fashion again. And I just want to pull up the Twitter handle. It was at Dino five underscore OS hard to read with sunglasses on. So we'll just call you Dito, <laughs> but Dito came up with the idea of doing a, what if um, template for a couple of episodes, but doing so with, potential scenarios for how the Winnipeg Jets could attack this offseason. And so we'll do the first of those uh, for this Friday, and then we'll continue that up until we get to the NHL entry draft in just over a month's time. So to jump right in, Tyson, I figured we'd go with the, I guess it's the simplest one, but it's also the most terrifying one and an option that I don't think a lot of Jets fans are going to be on board with. But our first what if as to what one layer of the multiverse might look like for the Jets organization would be what would this offseason look like if they ran it all back? Seems unfathomable after the past two seasons that this club and this core has had. But I think it's a path that we have to at least discuss and look at because I'll tell you what, Tyson. Going back two years ago, I would have said there's no way they run it back with this exact same core after the team basically had a full-on mutiny for the last half of the season and went through two head coaches. Yet they did that going into this year, and I think it just might be on the table yet again. And so we'll take a look at what would entail and what would happen for the Jets both in this year and beyond if they did the unthinkable, which is run it back. What's your first thoughts when you hear the Winnipeg Jets running back? Are you serious? Are you freaking serious? Like, really? We're going to do this garbage again? <laughs> and the worst part is, like you said, I think that this is has a way higher likelihood of, of it happening than a lot of people think. Well, that, that so that's what I wanted to ask you. Give me a percentage. What What's the percentage chance that Chevy decides to run it back. And I'll explain my parameters around running it back. But like what, in your mind, if you had to guess, what, what are the chances that that could happen? I'm going to go 35 to 40. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that high, but like the fact that that's, that it, it's just, I think, and that's kind of my point in all this. The fact that this is actually a possibility is is really, really infuriating. Um, I, I'd go a bit lower than that. I would say maybe like 15, 20%. Well, like, even I, if they don't, I don't know. I just well, think why, why, why do you, why do you think, why do you think it's much higher than what I'm going with? I think that going into the off season, there's going to be the, the idea that, Hey, we need to, we need to really kind of reshape this roster a little bit. And I think once the offers start to come in for some of these players, I think we see the Jets kind of go, you know what? Are we better off trading these guys for value that they're not worth? And I and I don't agree with that, but I'm just looking through the lens of Jets upper management here, and I I can see them being going and hey, the, we don't like these trade offers at the draft. Screw it, run it back one more year. Let's really go all in this year and see what happens. And and like that's that's kind of what I'm envisioning right now going into this off season. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's that's kind of what this exercise is all about is, you know, what could happen if they, they go down that route. Again, I, I, I just I can't imagine they do it again. Like you said, are you serious? Are we seriously doing this again? But I think it, I think under normal circumstances in a normal organization, the chance of this happening would be much, much closer to zero, if not zero. But just the fact that it's whether it's 15 percent 20 percent 35 percent it's it's a chance it's a chance and the fact that this team and i should say more so ownership slash management seems so hell-bent on avoiding a rebuild and trying the you know let, let's maybe call it a dreaded retool on the fly i i think there is a chance that they could go down this road if like you said tyson the offers that they get for some of their quote-unquote high-end talent with one year left on their deals isn't uh, up to snuff. And it might not be worth it at that point if you're Kevin Chevalier off. So let's take a look, Tyson, at what the roster first off would look like if this team ran it back. And for me, running it back, I mean, it, it definitely means one thing. The core four, if you will, you know, we're hearing that with Toronto right now, but the core four of Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck with one year left on their deal, they're all on the ice for game one of 82, wherever that is, that that all four of these guys are back for whatever reason, but they're back for one more kick at the can going into this year. Um, on top, and I'm not even going to do the, like anything contracts or extensions like that until once we go through what this upcoming season would look like under this scenario. But we're going to say that all four of them are coming back um, in terms of other potential UFAs. I, I think, I think the whole crew stays around in this case, Tyson DeMello, uh, will be in the mix as well as Nino Niederreiter, who, you know, in pretty much any multiverse, I'm not sure if the Jets are trying to move him out the door anytime soon. Um, but on top of the the main group staying here and very little coming in in terms of internal additions, i.e. prospects or moose players, things like that, I'm also going to go under the assumption that they don't make a massive splash and that it's pretty much identical to the same team that we saw losing five games to Vegas. Maybe we see in this situation, maybe we subtract a Brendan Dillon or a Nate Schmidt out of the mix. And then we see either Chisholm or Hanela come up, but that is pretty much it in the run it back scenario is that we see the same team from last year suit up for the same purpose this year albeit minor tinkering around the edges, but the main group is in place here. Is that, does that seem fair? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I was kind of thinking running it back, the keeping the team together for the most part besides Blake Wheeler. That was sort of like my thinking is just, I really don't get how you can bring him back after, after what happened in the end of season interviews. And you really start to realize how much influence he has on this team. It's just, you got to get rid of it. You got you cannot have that level of influence on that locker room when you're trying to shift cultures from the culture that Blake Wheeler had built, and not just Blake Wheeler, obviously, but he's the he was the captain, he was a key contributor to it. And yeah, uh, this is, and if you do end up running it back, similar to what you say, I I don't think that that core four makes it past December. I don't think there's one guy in there that wouldn't make it past December, and then. This, your season's already in shambles at that point. Well, Tyson, let's not jump the gun just yet here because we <laughs> got to see how it plays out first, right? 
Um, and I'm going to say in this scenario as well, the Jets tried to shop Wheeler, couldn't find a taker without giving back some significant draft capital. And they're just going to try to ride it out and see where this thing takes them. Um, so with the roster that they have, I guess right now slash what we expected to be if they ran it back um, going into next year. With the roster, Tyson, let's say by the trade deadline, is this a playoff team, yes or no? <laughs> yeah, see? Bubble. I'll, I'll go bubble. I'll go bubble like you're, you're right around there. It's either you're in the second wild card or you're just a spot out, kind of like what we saw this year. Like It's just going to be a repeat. It's going to be a repeat of what you've been doing the past two seasons, and you're just going to let it happen, except this time you don't have like a, a fallback option. You can't just be like, oh, we'll run it back next year because next year all those guys are gone. So I th- that's why I just think this is so crazy that there's even the remote possibility of this happening. Because if it does happen, it's going to end up in disaster. It's going to become one of the worst mismanagement of assets that we've ever seen. And not only in NHL, I think, I think in all of sports, you are wasting prime, prime assets just because in your head, you're so deluded that you think that this team can do stuff. And they've proven you time and time again that they can't get it done. They just can't. And now you're going to hitch that again. And that's why I say, I don't think they make it past December. Like, I think one of those guys would be gone. Would it, whether it be Dubois or Shifley and they bring in a couple new pieces. And then we see the, the usual, Oh, this team looks not bad. Now that there's a, a little bit of a change here where this team doesn't look too bad. And then a month goes by and then it's back to the old ways. And I can just totally see that happening, but this team's too skilled the way it's, and that's also part of the problem. This team is too skilled to not be in the hunt, regardless of how, regardless of what the culture is, what the effort level is. This team is just too skilled to fall too far out of the playoff spot at this point. So they're going to be battling there. And then you're left with so many tough decisions throughout the season when this whole situation could have been avoided. Tyson, I'll just get you to plug your mic uh, out and then back in. Um, but th- this is kind of the interesting part of it is I like, I, I agree with. I probably agree with you. And it's tough again because we don't know what Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis, all these other teams, you know, do in the central. Um, I, I would imagine even with Bedard, Chicago is going to be near the bottom. It seems like Nashville is going to be in a similar boat there too. Um, but th- it, it's going to be pretty muddy, I think, after Colorado and then maybe even Dallas as well. So the Jets are probably going to find themselves in that either we're in the wild card spot or we're just outside of it right then. With four guys, four key guys, all pending UFAs, what a decision to be made if you did run it back at that point, right? Like, it's one thing if you are, like, this past year, you were first place team all year long, or by the end of the year, um, and then you're first place again by the trade deadline. Because then it's like, well, you know, maybe there's a, you know what I mean? Maybe there's a cup run in this team or something like that. But but that wouldn't be the case yet again. But are you going to be able to get are you going to be able to get value for those guys at the deadline? Maybe one of them, sure, but like three or four of them, if they're not willing to to sign an extension at that, like it, 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 it really starts to fall apart right at the trade deadline, right? Like that, that's where all of a sudden it's like, oh, we made a mistake. Try to run it back because you know that ceiling of this team probably isn't making a run to the conference final, and if we need to ship off assets right now, we're 
probably not getting anywhere near what we would have hoped for at the draft on July 1st for free agency, all that sort of a stuff, the previous off season. So I, yeah, like, I mean, to me, if we're looking at the what if as to how this could play out, I don't think it's a disaster to the point that this team finishes bottom five. I think it's even worse than that, that, that they're right in there around the mix and there's not a clear direction or path for them to take at that point. So it, it does become extremely tricky. And it really is like if you do the run it back thing, it's basically Stanley Cup or bust. Like that's it. It's it's cup or bust. And you can't look at the way this team is constructed right now and say, yeah, they can go up against, I mean, not only Colorado in a seven game series, but they can go up against Colorado, then Dallas, then Edmonton, then an Eastern team. You know what I mean? Like to do all of that in a row, it's it's just not it's just not gonna happen. Um, so things start to come come off the rails pretty quickly here. So let's say, just for argument's sake, Tyson, that let's just say they sneak into the playoffs, running it back again, okay? And whether they win a round, lose in the first round, it doesn't go past a conference finals berth. Do any of these guys re-sign at that point, do you think? Or is it just all four are out the door? No, they all, they're all gone. They're like, all gone. That's, that's, all, that's the whole problem with this, is that you have... Your only hope in this scenario is that you get to at least the conference final. That's literally your only hope, and that's well, that, that's like best case scenario. You're saying, right? And well, and and if you want to keep, if you want to try to attract these guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of the year, you're going to have to go on a deep run and at least try to convince these guys, hey, this group does have it. If you can be a part of this city, you will be a legend for for many years to come. And I, that's the only way you can entice them. And that's just like, there is a smaller chance of the Jets na- like not making the playoffs there than there is of them running back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's just, it really blows my mind that, and it gets me so mad thinking about this too, just because you watch teams like Vancouver and Philadelphia and you see what happens when there's just this delusion. And you think that this core that's proven you wrong time and time again is going to, prove you right finally like it's just it's banging your head against a wall like it's it's any cliche saying that you want to say about doing the same thing over and over again like it's just it's just mind-blowing and the thing that worries me the most is that if you do go and run it back and the season goes not the way you want are we gonna see a front office restructure I'm not well, so and, and at that point, I mean, at that point, does it does it even? I mean, it, for the fans, does it matter all that much? Because yeah. all four guys are out the door. You're officially rebuilding, and and you have no assets to rebuild with as well. You know what? I, like, I mean, yeah. you don't have the haul you could have gotten for those guys. It 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 really, I think, once we go through all the scenarios here, we'll do rebuild. Uh, I mean, maybe next week we'll do the rebuild. What if uh, we could do a retool on the fly? What if a little bit later on? I mean, you can, I think, pick and choose which route you'd like to take. To, to me, this is just the ultimate worst-case scenario. It, it sets you, you're, and you're 100% right with the comparison you made. I won't say the Flyers because that's, that's just a whole other can of worms. But I think, I think you become the new Vancouver Canucks, a team with no direction and, and no real hope on top of it. So some good players, some, some high-end players still. But again, that, that mushy middle of we're not good enough to be labeled a true contender and we're not bad enough 
to be at the bottom of the class when it comes to drafting high in talent year after year. And then it really, what I think more than anything, this whole situation does is it sets the organization back an extra year or two. Whereas if you pulled the plug, I mean, last year would have, I mean, you'd be kind of in a, a really good looking spot, especially with Bedard as one of the picks up for grabs there. But even if you did it this upcoming off season, like a, a year is a, it's a massive amount of time to try to kickstart a rebuild and get it going a little bit quicker. If you want to go that route. Um, but pushing this thing a year, two years, three years down the road, it's, it's major, major trouble. And that's, I think when things could get really scary as well, I'm not going to do the, what if, as uh as if they run it back this year and it doesn't work out that eventually the team gets relocated because of it like i'm not gonna go that dark and deep into it but you 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 could totally envision a scenario where things bottom out and the fans don't show up because there's no clear direction or reason to show up to the rink night in night out Right, like I think, I think right now, not, I, don't, I don't think they're going to do it. But if you went full rebuild right now and said we're bringing exciting young talent on the ice night in, night, I think a lot of fans would buy in for the majority of that because at least it's you know the, the start of the rebuild is somewhat exciting too. But at least fans know, okay, this is where we're going. We can kind of see the journey and and be a part of that right from the start and see where that goes a few years down the road. As opposed to again being the the Vancouver's or the or the Calgary, you know, kind of in the the twilight of the Aginla days, where it's just where where's the hope? It's just it's just not there right now. Plus, on top of it, too, you know, if you do do the run it back situation, and if you can't get any of these guys to agree to contract extensions, you've got absolutely zero hope to resign them by the end of the year, unless you win the Stanley Cup. Right, like that—that's the only way, right? I mean, the, the only chance you have with Hellebuck, I think, is is signing him now and, and finding a way to get it done before the season gets underway. You're just playing big, 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 big time with fire, trying to get any of these guys signed, uh, or, or you know, not have them signed before the season starts, and then by the time the season comes to an end, oh, don't worry, you can definitely win here. Well, we can't because we haven't for for the past half decade. So there's all these other layers thrown on top of it too. But um, the run it back, what if? Probably better labeled as the worst case scenario. What if? Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. And like you said, I think that if you obviously this is the the route I would take. I think if you went full fledged rebuild, you would start to see Canada Life Center look like look. Like the Bell, like MTS Center when it first came, when the Jets first came here, right? There was sort of this attitude of just, man, we're so happy for this team to be here. We really don't care if they're good or bad. And they weren't that great, but they had exciting young players. They had things that you could look forward to as the seasons started to carry on. And then when they went to the when the, the Western Conference Finals, there was that just giant anticipation, just this buildup of a what was it five years at that point or four years four or five years and it was a four or five year build where things just reached a peak and i think that that's sort of the thing that you need to shoot for with this new culture with this new nucleus that you're going to want to build for this team going forward i think that if you can bring in pieces where people can look at them and say hey this guy's coming next year this guy's going to be here in two years from now and then then we're going to start cooking like there's a sort of buzz that comes around this team when sort of when rebuilds come, especially with a team that hasn't really done a full-fledged rebuild, even when they were here the, the first year. It's never been full teardown, let's 
let's accumulate accumulate as many picks as possible and prospects. And then what is funny about kind of that sentiment there, Tyson, is that you know how the team got to the Western Final is that to, to call it a rebuild is incorrect, but but Chevy correctly assessed after that playoff loss to Anaheim that that group was not going to get it done. Right? Like he he realized that while he had a good team on his hands, it was never destined to be a great team. And yes, there was some luck with, you know, winning line A in the draft lottery and things like that. But I mean, that that's part of it. Luck's a huge part of building a, a successful team. But they did kind of a mini rebuild on the fly, moving Andrew Ladd for draft picks and futures and kind of shifting a little bit towards being sellers at the deadline. And that in a way helped kind of usher in the new era of, of, of the Winnipeg Jets. And I think in a big way led to them being the team that they were in, in 2018. So the opportunity is there for them to do it again. It's just going to be, do they have the, the foresight and the guts to be able to pull it off? Um, but I think, you know, after doing this exercise for 20 minutes, Sure, so I would like to see that as opposed to the right back option because this has been this has been a depressing Thursday night, Tyson, and <laughs> I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But let us know what you think at Twitter on Twitter uh, at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Skates Plates Pod or at Tyson Rewiki. Um, is the running back option? Is there any positivity in doing that, or is it just let's stay far, far away from that and um, let's let's try to do things a little bit differently this time around? Let us know, please. Um, <laughs> We won't end the episode on that because, again, that would be extremely depressing. Uh, but we'll go to a bit of a, I guess, a more a, a lighter note, a more exciting note. It doesn't have quite the the oomph that NFL mock draft season does, mainly because the the impact right out of the gate isn't there for the majority of the picks that are being made. But there is something juicy about NHL mock draft season as well, Tyson, that really gets the juices pumping, especially when you're a fan of a team that isn't any good or had an early exit in the postseason. It's a chance to look towards the future. And we all get to decide who would be the best player picked from a prospect that we watch maybe 30 seconds of the entire season. Everybody's an expert on guys they have never seen before. Um, but it's always fun to give your opinion and... Uh, try to, you know, get the crystal ball out and see if you can predict the future. But obviously with the draft lottery taking place earlier this week, we will mention who won and, and who's going to be at number one. But the Athletics specifically, uh, a couple of draft gurus over there in Scott Wheeler and Corey Pronman released their mock drafts, Tyson. Before you and... go, is Corey Pronman really an expert? <laughs> like, I'm... I'm, well, I'm... He... I, I I think that's I think that's a a tad harsh. Okay, I think that's a tad. I mean, the, you can disagree with I I I think when it comes to the draft, he's very very valuable as a resource, and he's clearly tuned in because I don't know if you remember last year, but he in his final mock draft nailed the first I think like eight picks. And that was back when Shane, it was like Shane Wright's going to Montreal, Shane Wright's going to Montreal. And he was like, uh, expect a shocking fall for him. And he took a lot of heat and he absolutely nailed it. I, I don't always agree with his post-draft assessment of prospects, but when it comes to the actual draft itself, I think, I mean, look, he, he does this for a living. He's, he's, I mean, he's good. He's good. We don't got a problem with that. Um, either way though, 
despite Tyson being a hater. We got a couple of mock drafts to look at here. Um, And let's take a look at the Winnipeg Jets side of things. They're picking 19th in both of these. Some intriguing options. I mean, if you really wanted to do a preview, Tyson, and make a prediction as to who gets picked in either one of these, you may not get the player right, but you will at least guarantee the first few words out of Kevin Chevaldeoff's mouth. If you say the Winnipeg Jets select from the U.S. National Development Team, you will absolutely nail who the Winnipeg Jets will be selecting in their first-round pick this year. Who that guy is? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, But they seem to have that pipeline uh, filled up pretty good. And once again, there's going to be a few options for the Jets if they want to go down that route. Um, But for those that aren't familiar with some of those guys, Corey Promen has Oliver Moore going to the Winnipeg Jets at number 19. and crazy. Yeah, yeah, well, and he kind of says this, uh, Promen does in his little blurb, um, but Moore is a U.S. national development team prospect. Um, he says Moore may end up going higher than I have him projected. Some teams love, 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 love him, but he also thinks his stock has slid slightly over the second half and might go in that 15 to 20 range. But I'll tell you what, Tyson, you want to inject a little bit of speed? And scale into your lineup, and I'll put all my emphasis caps lock on speed. This kid can skate like the wind. That would be that would be a major, major get for the Jets at 19. You might say it's um it, it unpossible. <laughs> Me fail English. Um, but Cole Perfetti fell to them at 10. Brad Lambert fell to them at 30, and Chaz Lucius also fell to this, right? So the, I mean the Jets have kind of made a habit of picking these fallers at the draft, but man, oh man. You know, maybe you think the Jets might need some help on the blue line, but getting Oliver Moore at 19 would be some tidy, tidy business for Chevy. Oh, Oliver Moore would be just, it would be the typical Jets just make the smart pick, right? Like so yeah. many times we've seen the teams try and overthink things and the Jets are just like, hey, this guy was ranked pretty high all year. Let's, let's yeah. take him. <laughs> yeah, this guy was ranked high. He scored a buttload of points and he plays in a place that's produced high in talent. It's like drafting Alabama players in football. Sometimes it doesn't have to be this difficult. Like just take good players from good programs and away we go. So yeah, Yeah. I mean that that would be that would be massive for the Jets there if they were able to. I would be absolutely shocked if he dropped past 16, to be honest. I just really I would agree. I I don't see him going past there. I really don't. It would be nice. It would be nice. I said I agree, but I don't think we're going to see that come to fruition. But for at least one day, we can uh, dare to dream. Um, by the way, Scott Wheeler actually only did 16 teams. He didn't, didn't, didn't go all the way up to 19 in his mock draft. Um, but he did have Braden Yeager going 16, a few spots ahead of the Jets, whereas Promen had him going uh, 20, one spot behind the Jets. Uh, Yeager was a preseason top 10 pick uh, out of Moose Jaw. So, I mean... Again, some potential value for the Jets if the chips fall um, in a solid favor for them. Uh, Wheeler has Oliver Moore going 12 to Arizona, so that's maybe a little more down where where you're starting to lean there, Tyson. Um, I, I two, two questions about the draft, which we're not going to go crazy in-depth with here. The first one, especially with Hellebuck's uncertain contract status, you thinking goalie in any of the... I, I, I doubt at 19, I don't think there's any high-end goalie prospects worthy of, I don't think there's any worthy in general, but not this year. 
But do you take attendee maybe round two, round three, round four? That's the best player available. Like, especially once you get past the second round for me, it's all about best player available. And if that's a goalie, you take him and you figure out what happens when if he starts to perform at a super high level. Like that's that's my thinking behind it. Like you, you can never have too many goalies because goaltending is just such a fickle position. You don't know when a guy is just going to hit a wall and just regress immediately. Like it, hip injuries are such a huge part about goaltending. And we've seen plenty of goalies over the years, just their games just fall off a cliff after a, cer- a certain amount of surgeries. So having that backup and that constant flow of talent and like, look at Tampa when they had Ben Bishop and Andre Vasilevsky. You think Tampa was like, oh no, like what, what, what should we do with these two guys? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you figure it out. You'll feel like if you have two high level guys at the goaltending position, that sounds like a pretty good problem to have to me. So I, I'm all for taking a goal, even if it, even if you do have Connor Hellebuck as your starting goalie. And the other thing you have to take into account is that goaltenders take a lot longer to develop yeah. than, than than forwards and defensemen. So although you might have Connor Hellebuck now, what's Connor Hellebuck going to look like in five years? Because that's it's, it's really funny. Like- it's funny because you could draft his successor now, and that kid might not see the ice for five years. Like yeah. right, like it's it's bizarre, but I mean timeline wise, it's not the worst thing in the world. If 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 Hellebuck does resign, you draft an eighteen year old kid here. He's 22, 23, making his NHL debut, and hopefully you can pass the torch from that point. Hellebuck on to goaltender I've never heard of before. So I think that I think that's a fair point to make there. Since you mentioned BPA outside of round two, what about inside round one at nineteen? Is there a position they should be targeting? Or is it just BPA all day long? I, I wouldn't for... Depends on the circumstance with each team. With the Jets, I would say that you should just go best player available. I think that they have a solid enough group of talent in their prospect pool that you don't necessarily need to key on a guy. If you like this forward a lot more than the best available defenseman that's left, I think you go and take the forward. If you really like a guy, that's the guy you stick with. Now there's... There are some different circumstances with, you know, let's say a team is drafted in the top 10. They go and take three high-end forwards. And then you're like, well, you know, maybe we we got these high-end guys, but maybe we should help out the back end a little bit. Like, I think there, that's where I would deviate a little bit from best player available. But for them, I'd say 90% of the time, that's what I'm going with. I'm sticking with my guns and whatever guy that I like the most is the guy that I'm taking. And I'm not questioning it. Tyson, the correct answer is always best player available in the first round. Not named a goalie. That that's the caveat I, I'll, I'll throw in there. I like I I could care less if you if you got four guys that have a top line grade and they're all forwards, and you for some reason you have four first round picks, you take all four of them. If it's all defensemen, take all defensemen, <laughs> right? Like you like you said. I mean, you hate to look at human beings and label them as assets. But they're assets, right? Like you can move these guys for defensive help. If you like, there's no point in taking a D man that you think is going to be okay over a forward that's going to be great. Because then, if you have too many great forwards, you trade them for a great defenseman. Problem solved, right? right? So, yeah, I, I don't even like honestly, I don't even look at the Jets' pipeline in terms of like who to take at number 19. I could care less, really. I mean, outside of wing, this, I mean, this team isn't crazy deep down the middle and on the blue line in terms of prospects anymore 
you can't really call Sandberg a, a defensive prospect at this point. I mean, who knows Hanela and Stanley's futures to begin with? And Chisholm looks to be a keeper, but like after that, all of a sudden things get murky pretty quickly for the club. And then we all know that the Shafley Dubois situation is this upcoming offseason. I mean, I think in an ideal world, the Jets are able to get a 6 2, 6 3 centerman that, that, that eventually finds a way to get into the mix a couple years down the road here. But I'm not going to sweat it one bit if they take a winger, defenseman, whoever it is. If, 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 if he's high up on your draft board, you go ahead and take him. It, it, it's just that simple. So we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, plenty of time to get into before that uh, gets underway. And I mean, hey, let's get crazy. Maybe the Jets aren't making a pick at 19. Maybe it's the LA Kings after you trade for Quinton Byfield. I, I don't know the situation, but the point is <laughs> there's plenty of time before we need to dive into it in a big way as to who the next uh, high-end prospect that could be heading to Winnipeg is. That's a problem for future us. We'll deal with what we've got right now. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. Uh, speaking of prospects, by the way, I should mention this. What a weekend we have in Winnipeg, Tyson. The Winnipeg Ice hosting Big Bad Brad Lambert and the Seattle Thunderbirds at Canada Freaking Life Center. How, how unbelievably cool is that? I mean, that's oh, going to awesome. be a beauty. It's awesome. And I, I could be pulling this stat completely out of my ass right now, but I believe there's 17 players between the two teams that have been drafted already. And that's not including guys like Zach Benson, who's a projected <laughs> at top 10 pick. Top 10 I, mean, pick. <laughs> I, I mean, unless you're Corey Promen and you got him at 13 to the Sabres, like I don't, I don't see Zach ben, Benson going past 10 at all. I don't see how that happens, but yeah. We'll un, un, unless, unless 10 teams don't want a scoring winger. Yeah, like he's so, so good. He's yeah, so I mean, good. I mean, think how good the ice were last year with, with Savoie and all those guys. And Benson was Benson was the guy that people were kind of like, whoa, he's turning some eyes here. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets. But at the very least, Winnipeg hockey fans can see him a, a couple of games over the weekend and, and maybe maybe even just one or two more. And maybe there's some hardware coming to the city sometime soon. But that's going to be a beauty and. Man, oh, man. I, I don't know if you saw this as well, Tyson, but the Thunderbirds head coach, when asked about Brad Lambert, said best player he's coached since Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell. We got Barzell on our team, baby. We're <laughs> running it back. We're winning the cup next year. Let's go. Run it back, baby. Run it back. Run it back. Big Ben Brad's here to save the day. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so excited to see what happens there, and we'll have to give you an update on uh tuesday's episode on how lambert the thunderbirds and the ice are all doing in that dub hl final there uh but that'll do it for us tonight and today on a friday and uh, let's head to the weekend in sal let's have a good one everybody thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of skates and plates here on the hockey podcast network i'm your host brandon rewicki cjob's tyson rewicki with us once again We'll get back at it Tuesday morning, breaking down the latest from the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL playoffs. Until then, though, have a great weekend. Stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.